Hello everyone and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's our first of two quickfire Champions League preview podcast. Chris O'Reilly here with you, joined by Brian Campion. How are you, Campo? Not too bad. Uh, getting ready now for the new season. We're going to look at Group A today. I'm heading off to, to Zagreb on Thursday. I believe you're not up for round one, but you'll be in for round two and three. So how you, what's your feeling just heading in, initially heading into this season? Yeah. Pod, or this podcast and the next one, we're going to look at the two groups individually. It does help to uh, kind of give yourself some you know, context for what's coming up this season. And to be honest, it's probably the first time I've thought about the groups since the draw was made uh, in the middle of the summer. So it's a, it's a good exercise in uh, figuring out, all right, what the hell is going on here? And uh, I think the thing that stands out to me this season, I think we say it in one way or another every season, but it feels like one of the widest, like wide open competitions that we've we've had in years. Um, I mean, last year was a surprise that Barca didn't get it three times in a row. We've seen this season that it is unlikely to be a, a walk in the park for them or anything but, in fact, by the start of their season. Uh, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in, in the Group, P, Group B uh, chat in the next pod. But it really does feel like there's a you know, proper six, maybe seven teams that can get to the final four, which is uh, maybe even eight. Uh, that's how the competition works. Eight teams go to the quarterfinals and four of them go to the final four. Uh, yeah, so it's really wide open for me and uh, exciting to talk about the, the groups themselves and how they seem to break down. How about you? Yeah, it is. Ver- it's been, I've been looking mostly at obviously Group A in preparation for this and it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to get into, but the way we're going to break this down today, we kind of have organized a few categories on the way into this so we're going to try and answer a few questions who we think the group winner is going to be the outright group winner who do we reckon is going to be the lock for the bottom spot of group a do we have any surprise performers uh best signing of the group so group a so which team picked up the best player in the run in two uh or in the preseason? the crunch match of the round uh, one big if question from Group A heading into the first matches. What do you think the biggest if question would be? How do groups compare? For a and B, which is stronger? And then we'll finally have the finishing order. How we think the group is going to finish. Well, there's one more. The one more category we're going to throw in there, which, yeah, the weirdest signing. I guess oh, yes. we, can do, we can do that one right Straight. after the best signing. Weirdest signing, uh, yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. to go through the teams quickly in Group A, it's Alborg, Paris Saint-Germain, Kiel, Kolsta, Seged, Kielce, Pellister, and Zagreb. So the group winner then. This, to me, feels like a two-horse race. What is your impression? Yeah, I mean, I had it down to between Kielce and, and PSG. Just because of Kiel's... Or, uh, it's just because of Kiel's uh, start to the Bundesliga season has maybe t- has maybe affected my, my judgment on this. Obviously, they've lost two of their opening uh, Bundesliga matches. So kind of in my mind, I know it's early days yet, but I, f- I feel like it's it's Kielce 
and PSG. And I would probably then put Kielsa at the top of that. I mean, we'll talk about this a bit later, but I am a little bit surprised about the lack of movement maybe in Kielsa's signings. There seems to be, I mean, I know Bertus, the president, just has left, but the squad itself has remained. In terms, in terms of the starting team, has pretty much remained unchanged. Did that surprise you? Given that they've come second twice and it's kind of like third time, third time's a charm. Do you think maybe they could have freshened up a bit? I mean, well, that, that's, a, that's the thing, you know, the way they approached it a couple of years ago by signing a bunch of players, not for, uh, not just for the last season, but for the next season and the season after that. So they had pretty much confirmed all the signings and extended all the contracts until 2027. So, you know, it doesn't really surprise me that um, in the end, the, the team hasn't changed that much. The, uh, I think they, they had no more wiggle room, no more financial kind of uh, money to play with. Uh, had no more money to play with going into it. So, yeah, I think if anything, it, it could be good for them that they've kind of consolidated the team a little bit more. Hopefully there's no more uh, shakiness on the economic side. They did lose Remy midway through the season last season. Uh, it didn't really affect them that negatively in the end. I think the key thing with, with the squad is that if everyone stays healthy then they'll still have like a, a really nice squad. And, uh, you know, the big signing for them, another player who was announced ages ago, was Hassan Kadar. So the big-ass Egyptian left-back, uh, another man stretching beyond two metres tall. So, yeah, in that sense, I'm not really surprised that there was no bonus summer signings because they'd already done all their business uh, a year or two ago. So did you have them top? Did I miss that, or did you? I uh, well, for me, uh, yeah, for me, it was between uh, PSG and Kielsa as well. In terms of choosing a group winner, because I guess that's why we're doing this. So we actually <laughs> make some predictions. Uh, I have Kielsa second and PSG on top. Wow. Okay. And that's got a little bit more to do with how the two teams usually approach the group phase. Um, PSG particularly at home, are almost completely unbeatable. There's something a, a bit like an aura about them that they they rarely mess up in the group phase. It's only when they get into the knockout rounds that things start to fall apart for them. But we barely even have to talk about them in the group phase over the years because they just get the business done. You know, you think about, you know, oh, they'll play against Pellister, they'll beat them 43-32 or something like that. These are score lines that we're used to seeing from PSG. Whereas Kielce, you're you know they can randomly lose points somewhere. So Kielsa might do a great job of, you know, splitting victories with PSG, winning one at home and losing the one away, and doing the same with the other big contenders. But you could also see uh, Kielsa lose a random match, even at home against uh, someone like Zagreb, uh, which won't actually make that much of a difference in the end, but will will stop them from coming in top place. And just behind them, I mean, Kiel and Alborg on paper could do it, but they're just way too inconsistent, I think, uh, also with how they have to balance club and international form. In terms of the, some of the people who have come in for PSG, obviously Danis Christopans has gone out and maybe they've lost that special Luke Stein's Christopans connection, which a lot of people liked and seemed to be a big headache for for a lot of teams. And they brought in maybe Kent Robin Tonneson as a Maybe a more of a rotation player rather than... Uh, he's not going to be a starter, I don't think. So I think Dominic Matte is yeah. probably going to be the guy that the, who's now back from injury and hopefully won't get injured again. And he'll be 
the starting or not starting right back, but maybe one of their main focuses in right back. What do you, what do you think of them losing Crystal Pants? <laughs> it was clearly a good signing for Melsung, as uh, you guys discussed on the, the morning club yesterday. Yeah, it feels like you know he had a good season last year. He's had his up and downs in his time with the club. He'll never be remembered as some kind of incredible legend. He did the right things for them, but I feel like uh, Dominic Mathe could suit their style of play a little bit more. He was playing with them last season, just coming back from injury. I think if he uh, can take the steps up that he's promised to do pre-knee injury with Elvrum, then I think he can be a really good player for them. And yeah, like a, a proper starter in that backcourt for the team. It's a big test for him. And also knowing that Yaya Omar is joining next season, that makes it an even bigger test because it's a it's kind of an audition for them. It's like, yeah, are you going to be really competing for this top spot for the years to come? Or are you just going to be filling the spot here? Kent will come in when he needs to, and you're just waiting for Yahya Omar to come in. So, yeah, I think despite that, though, in terms of the group, it doesn't really make a difference. I think PSG will, will win it. Okay. So PSG and Kielce, we're split on that one. So what about bottom spot then? Maybe a little bit easier to come to a conclusion. But again, I think it's between probably two teams. Did you, did yes. you see it in the same way? Yeah, I wrote down Pellister versus Zagreb. Yes. Probably Pellister. Uh, very little to go on this. <laughs> they had a preseason match against each other uh, in which uh, Zagreb won by a couple of goals. Yeah, Pellister coming into this completely, like at this level, unknown. I think when it comes to their home matches, they will might have a chance of picking up a couple more random points than Zagreb will. Uh, Zagreb seemed to take a step up last season and the squad hasn't gotten... You know, much, it seems to have stayed pretty much the same. It hasn't gotten too much better. hasn't gotten too much worse. Uh, they could be competing maybe for that sixth place. But honestly, I think it is actually these two by a, a decent margin will be seventh and eighth. Even though Pellister might get a couple more random points, I think Zagreb should beat them home and away. And so Pellister for last place. Yeah, I'd Pellister done the same. I mean, they didn't get out of the European League group. or they, Well, they came second last yeah. in their group last track, so I can't see them improving on that in a Champions League group. So I have them the rock bottom. And I just think the way Zagreb kind of finished a bit more positively last season with some good results or some decent results and close games at least. Anyway, I think they should be the stronger of the two. And I think they probably have a bit more, in inverted commas, star power. And yeah. not, much, not a whole lot, but I mean, a bit, a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit of a stronger squad. Well, hey, let's see what happens uh, in the first match of the week between uh, between Zagreb and Kiel, whether they pull off a shock. Feels like that was a match of the week from 10 years ago, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, surprise, the surprise package of the group. Who do you have down for that one? Uh, this is tricky. I don't, it's very hard to pick out one. I would, li- I would like to say Kolstad, but I somehow don't see it happening. So I think maybe, I mean, surprise package. I don't agree really you call them surprise back, but maybe Alborg will get some decent results this season. I think they've obviously, they're going to be a, a fresh, I think probably the cycle of players that they had with the likes of, of Sandel and Clare leaving and Agafor has gone out. Uh, Gade also on the way. And of course, Parmesan returning to, to Iceland. It does feel like a big churn of players there. Maybe that's what they needed. Obviously bringing Nicholas Landin in is huge. Uh, uh, Simon Hall coming in as well. Um, one player which I'm really excited about it then is Alex Vla to see if he can reproduce some of his form uh, in the Champions League again and then obviously Lucas Nielsen is a, is a, should fit in to the Alborg style of handball so I think maybe they might have had a surprise result or two in them yeah. with that refreshed squad 
So perhaps maybe Alborg, even though it's not that it's not a surprise package like years years gone by, but I do think maybe they could pull off results that maybe they didn't that no one expected of them. I, I will go to to Alborg a little bit later because I have them down for a different category. But for me, the surprise or the potential surprise could indeed be Kolstad, and the reason why is I'm looking at their schedule here for the opening rounds with Kolstad and, and Alborg. It's kind of mix and match between one can be the surprise package. One has kind of the big question mark over them. But the Colsa, they have a really nice start to the group. So they're away against Pellister. Can get a win away from home. They're also away against Zagreb in the first few rounds. So there's like two away matches they could pick up maximum points. Then they have home matches against Kielce, Seged and Kiel. Which all feel like home matches, particularly early in the season. That they could pick up wins in. Um, and we've seen... Uh, particularly Kjeldsen and Seged struggle in Norway away from home. Uh, so, yeah, imagine all of a sudden this Kolsa team, led by Sagerson, uh get five wins on the trot at the beginning. And that'll have a whole, that'll completely change the, the kind of reflection on, on this team and what people expect from them and, and the confidence it should give them as well. Uh, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. They could end up with, you know, one win and four losses just as easily. Uh, but... Three home games against, you know, the the mid-table and big dogs, and then two away matches against the, the weakest teams. That uh, could be a golden start for them. You're not worried a bit about maybe the depth of their squad, because you look at their starting starting seven, it's going to be really, really strong. But then after that, I think that some of the players that they're going to have to rotate in, uh, you know, it, 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 the quality can drop off there a lot, can't it? It can, uh, but I think that won't be so much of an issue in the the early games in the season and that then it's a case of just holding on for dear life and seeing how far they can take it yeah i mean that it's not like they have bad players in in these positions as well um like the backcourt is obviously it's very uh very much reliant on the opening uh three but uh yeah you never know i think the the players they have as well it's it's a big question like rud sagerson and uh, Johannesson are all players who've also been picked up their knocks and their little, little niggardly injuries over the years that have kept them out for a little bit of time if that happens to any of them they could be in real trouble but uh, yeah, they could also be a very positive surprise we go to maybe now some of the signings that we've seen uh, in pre-season so I have two main names here for the best signings of the group I think so I, I've one which is clearly the, I think the best sign that a team has made I, that would have to be Nicholas Landin going to Alborg I think that's a world class goalkeeper that they've now acquired so I think there's no no doubt there that's a that's a huge coup for for the the team for the boys in Alborg and then my personal one is going to be Skipper Skip to go oh yeah. god save, save for me Chris Skipper oh Shepard got to Shepard got to there we go to go into Kiel it's going to be very interesting to see. He's only 21 and it, they've obviously huge, huge boots to fill just domestically in the Bundesliga and then also playing the Champions League as well. It's a, it's a huge ask for the young man. It's going to be very interesting to see how he gets on. So that's more of a question mark for me, but I'm very excited to see how he does that over the whole season. Um, but Niklas Landin in goal, obviously, I think is the biggest the biggest sign of the summer. What about you? I can't believe we're having this conversation and we haven't, you didn't put Sandra Saugerson in that. That, that says a lot. It does, but yeah, I kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I did that, yeah, but I kind of <laughs> felt like that's that's ah, old news, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's old news, but it's only just happened, so 
they're the three of them. So Salgerson, Asha Pagotu, and Landine. And I think in the, the long term, Asha Pagotu is the, the one that stands out because in terms of how he can help Kiel, particularly in the Champions League, I think that will be quite exciting because I think uh, his mm. style is really going to fit in the Champions League where things can be a little bit more uh, opened up and one-on-one play does fit a little bit better than uh, maybe he'll be... I mean, Salgerson feels like the, the he was the big signing at the time. And if we were going back and talking about it when it happened, we were going to say, okay, what's the big signing of the summer? You would say Salgerson. But I have to agree, Landine actually feels like the the one that is the, the best signing for a team and could really help uh, Alborg take the next step. Funny that all three are connected to Kiel. Two of them leaving Kiel, one of them arriving in Kiel. Next category then would be the weirdest signing. Okay, I'll let you, you had you said you had a name for this one, so I'll let you go first with this. Well, it's funny because the name that, um, I'll be honest with you all, I feel like when I learn the name of a player to commentate on, it somehow gets stuck in my head, at least phonetically, and then I can just go back to it again. This guy has never stuck in my head. It's a signing from Giogi to Eurofarm Pelister. It's Nench Keta Seta. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. The Slovenian. The Slovenian right back. Who, honestly, Brian, feels a little bit like an NPC, a non-playing character in a, a video game. <laughs> because every single time he, I see him in a squad, he, he doesn't play. He's just like, you know, he's just a graphic. He's moved to <laughs> he's moved to Eurofarm Bellister from not play. Like, imagine being the guy who's number two in Giogi to Emil Madsen, who ended up being the top scorer and uh, just waiting patiently on the bench all season. So maybe this will be it for him. 31 years of age in the prime of life and going to Pellister where he's nothing to lose. Uh, maybe we will all learn how to say his name properly in a few weeks' time. But at the moment, no, he's a bit of a bit of an NPC, a bit of a weird one for me. I did think about him as well when I was making my selection, but I went for one which I, I it, it does have an explanation, but I just on paper I just find it a little bit a little bit strange. Kent Robin Tonson, remember when he signed for Vesprim? Yeah. I remember the hype around him coming in and people were like, Oh, what a package. I remember it was just, I think they announced it was a two or three signings on the same day and people were like, Oh my god, my goodness, what 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 a package. And then he's moved on to to Zeged. Score, he'd get you about 40 odd goals in a season 30 to 40 goals but that's that's pretty much it so he's never going to be the your top scorer in your game he'll, he'll get you maybe one to two goals a game solid enough I suppose comes in and kind of maybe a bit predictable but he's then somehow then made a bigger move over to PSG and I understand it on paper whether, whether they're waiting for Yaya Omar to come in but still just just a strange I never envisioned him making uh, that being his path to to PSG so just a bit of a weird one he's done very well for himself hasn't he from from Fuxa Berlin to Vesprem to Seged and now to uh, to PSG he feels like because what we said earlier about uh, Yahya Omar he's coming in next season I think PSG when they were making this decision they're like okay who can we get in to just fill the gap for a year uh, and he is their man it's like as you said he'll get you some goals he'll get some two minute suspensions uh, he'll do some weird things but generally he's a good player and yeah just like fill the gap yeah I mean more weird as I I, ne- I didn't see it coming no. 
more and more than that. But I do I do understand yeah. that you said it's a nice uh, gap fill in there for PSG. Yeah. yeah speaking of uh, gap fillers for PSG, where's Pedro Nadic gone? I think it's. I think we don't know yet. He still like, hasn't. Is they, uh, he still hasn't. He, has he technically left PSG? Yeah. Right. Uh, he has left PSG, yeah. right? Yeah, because he's down on their out list already. But yeah. uh, I think no club as of yet. Okay. I think. Which is Wait, waiting for that Saudi Arabian money to come in. Yes. That's someone that Berlin could get. Anyway, we were talking about Berlin needing a left back. Well, there's, a, there's someone who could go in there, but he has prior prior history in uh, in Berlin. On to the, yeah. the, the crucial matches that are crucial match. Um, what do you have in mind here? I had, well, obviously, just, I mean, I think a really big match. I think is going to be the so round twelve, PSG versus Kielce. That could be the game that decides who finishes uh, top of the group. As you said, PSG and their home form really almost have gone beatable, and that's going to be a serious test for them when when Kielce come to town. So I, I've kind of earmarked that one on the twenty first of February as probably the the highlight of the whole season, uh, highlight of the whole season in Group yeah. A. Okay. Funny because I also have that those two teams, but actually this is all focused mostly on one team, and it is Kielce because I started looking at every like beginning of round one, seeing what the highlight match is, like what is the what is kind of a, a crucial match in terms of te- learning about teams. And in round one, I had Kielce versus Alborg, and then in round two, I had Kolsa versus Kielce. Then in round three, I had Kielce against PSG, and then in round four, I had Kiel against Kielce, and then I stopped and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Kielce. Like, Kielce are going to be the measuring stick by which everyone is judged this season and themselves. So, basically, just any game that Kielce plays this season, <laughs> which is really interesting, right? That they're going to be involved in such crucial games in those first four rounds straight away. Uh, crucial for their opposition and obviously crucial for them, uh, which puts a lot of pressure on them. And, uh, well, hey, if they end up winning all four of those, then I might need to change my uh, my views on them finishing second in the group. I know you haven't done finishing second, but would you still say that they're probably still favourites at the moment to, to take the title, even though they might still finish second in Group A? Uh, they're probably the favourites of the teams in Group A. Even though they'll finish second? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just because of the run, the run of the matches, yeah. like you said. Yeah. I think finishing first or second doesn't really matter. Yeah. As long as you get in the top two. That's the key thing. Mm. And that's why we need a reform of this uh, system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, but, just watch out for Kielce in these, this opening month of the season. Cracking games all right. So what's your biggest then if question going into this going into this group phase? Yeah, I kind of gave it away. Or do you have I gave one? it away there about that earlier, and that was Alborg. And the big if is if Alborg can figure it out this season. They came into this Champions League world like right at the deep end, uh, somehow getting through to the final in a season where they made the big announcements for the seasons to come. The signing of Miguel Hansen, the signing of Aaron Palmerson, and without those two, they managed to get to the final of the Champions League, uh, which was huge. And then since then, it almost put them on this platform where things were expected of them, but they lost in the quarterfinal to Vesprem, straightforward, lost in the, the, lost in the playoff round to uh, Gheorghi in the cracking game last year. Um, and now it's uh, a question of where where does this team actually belong? The signings you mentioned there do feel a lot, a lot more like planning for the team, whereas you know signing Mikel Anson, signing Aaron Palmerson 
were like big statement signings, but it wasn't the big statement signings that got them to the final. It was uh, Stefan Madsen and a team of very solid players who all knew what they wanted to do with the team and bought into the plan, uh, getting them there. Big question marks over that centre-back position. Alex Vla coming in now and he'll, you know, all of a sudden have to play a very different role uh, when he has the players around him that he does. He just won't be allowed to bang in goals or take shots after shot after shot because Miguel Hansen will put him in a headlock. And Thomas Sommer, who's a really exciting player as well, but uh, still feels like he has some learning to do uh, coming in at centre-back as well. If Miguel Hansen can find the form of old Nicholas Landin coming in as well. They have all these they have all these tools that could help them get into a quarterfinal and then maybe the final four. But they they have to figure it out. And uh I think they could do it. I don't think it's gonna happen straight away. I think if it's gonna happen for them, they're gonna go on a a run where they upset a couple of big teams in the knockout rounds. Interesting. Yeah, so my my big if question is gonna be about Kiel and where they're going to stand this season because when you looked at the group initially you think another you know, they're probably the, the, the third strongest team in yeah. there and how what kind of form they're going to be going in is it going to be could they turn it into a three horse race for those top spots rather than a two horse race and having lost Sagasin, Landin and Zarabets, it's obviously huge changes for them brought in Gerard, who's now injured a bit of a disaster yeah. there brought in Gurbindo as well who's going to be interested to see how he's going to cope I mean we've seen Gurbindo in, in for years for not like tearing it tearing it up but is it the same player that he used to be and then obviously Skipper coming in huge boots to fill only a young lad how that's going to play out so I'm very interested to see is their domestic form they've obviously lost to Flensburg and Melsingen good teams as well but not Kiel don't, don't lose a lot of games in the Bundesliga and have lost two already yeah. of the four that they've played is this form going to continue in the Champions League and then we're going to see it obviously play out this Thursday and what kind of shape uh, are Kiel going to be in going into their opening match against against Zagreb so a lot of ifs there for me about are they really in that third position or maybe is a team like Albor going to overtake them so that's a very interesting question for me heading into yeah. heading into the, the season okay uh, well we'll go into that when we make our final finishing order predictions uh, who's going to finish where uh, the next one comparing it comparing the groups looking at the two groups here it feels to me like at the top end, there's very little to choose between them. You know, you think of like PSG, Kielce, Kiel, uh, Vesper and Barca, Magdeburg, all teams that could uh, could go all the way. But the, the mid-table and the teams that uh, are in both groups, it feels like the mid-table from Group B is stronger than the mid-table from Group A. And if the roles of the teams were reversed and they were put in each other's groups, that the top three in this group A would not be as straightforward. So that's a long way, long-winded way of me saying it's not quite as good as the other group. Yeah, I, mean, I did the same feel. I felt like just the bottom of B was just a stronger, has stronger teams down there than maybe the. It's so clear in A that that Zagreb and Pelissa are going to be yeah. a good bit off the pace, whereas in B, and we don't know what kind of shape Porto are going to be in. They could be right down the bottom there. Um, GOG like you don't know where they're going to finish really they're, they 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 always have a surprise in them every season as well so Celia are probably probably going to be down along with maybe maybe Porto but they're two two teams which we we know can always have a result or two in them 
so yeah, I think I think overall the bottom of B is a is a is a stronger a str- or have stronger teams down there. So I'd say overall it looks like B would be just would just tip that. I'd be interested to see what Alex thinks now when you when you go <laughs> through it. On the other side of it, although I think the mid and lower table is stronger in Group B, the teams that are at the top of Group A, like the PSG, Chelsea, Kiel, are teams that you would rather not be facing in the group phase. Uh, you know, I think Vesprem and Magdeburg, they could be a little bit hit and miss. Barca, you just know you're going to lose to anyway. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, no hope, no disappointment, you know. Uh, at least with, the, but with PSG, Kielsen and, and Kiel, there's always that hope, which probably ultimately leads to disappointment if you're the likes of um, Celia or Zagreb or, or Pellister. Um, but we haven't talked about, of all the teams, we, ha- we have talked about everyone except for Seged in this. And I, we, I guess we'll save that for the finishing order. I think that says a lot. I think it does. Yeah, I did think, yeah. So it's because exactly where I've put them in the finishing order is kind of like this unremarkable position. So, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you my order then. So I'll start from the, the, the bottom. So I have Pellister, obviously, bottom. We've talked about that already. And then I have Zagreb. I think that's, that's fairly clear. We've, we've gone over that. This is where it gets a little bit tricky. So it, uh, you said that Kulstad could have that, that really quick start. I just have a feeling that games could get very difficult for them when, it gets into the after the forty minute mark, and teams are hanging in there, and they don't really have the some certain types of players to bring on to change the game. So I actually have Kolstad in sixth. Would you believe it? And then we haven't talked about Zegat a whole lot. They brought in this coach that no one knows who they are. They're basically waiting for for Appelgren to come in next season. So that's a bit of a, go- a stopgap for them as well in terms of on on the, on the bench. I have them finishing right in the middle there in fifth because I think they do obviously still have a very strong squad. Who now would? Pastor gone, maybe just pressure off their shoulders. Who knows? The old their new arena isn't that new anymore. They can forget about feeling that Six. pressure as well. So maybe they'll they'll have a, yeah. a, one or two good results in them. And then I have Alborg and Kiel. So Alborg and Fort, Kiel, PSG and Kielsa. That's my my finishing order. Okay. I thought you were gonna go for Alborg in third there. I thought you were gonna throw another one, another spanner in the works. But uh I think it's going to be close. Yeah. It's going to be very, very close between Kiel and Alborg is my uh, my gut feeling. I have a little bit, I have a couple of things that I, I disagree. PSG, Kielsa, we know because we said it at the top of the show. I had PSG over Kielsa. But starting at the bottom then, Pellister in eighth place, I have as well. Zagreb in seventh place. Then I do have Seged in, in sixth with Kolstad just ahead of them. But I feel like it's going to be a group of three in the middle there. So where we have Zagreb and Pellister way, way back, that mid-table of Alborg, Kolsa and Segat, I feel are going to be very close. Yeah. If Kolsa have that great that great start that they could have, that'll just kind of pip them ahead of Segat, but it won't be enough to, to get beyond Alborg. So I have Segat sixth, Kolsa fifth, Alborg fourth, Kiel third, Kielsa second, and PSG in first that fourth fifth sixth position you could swap all those teams around in there and I don't I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen there it really feels they feel very very interchangeable so it's going to be an absolute slog again in those teams in there that's why I, I put I, the Kiel thing was always very interesting to me so where they're going to stand are they going to be dragged into that into the fourth fifth and sixth battle or are they kind of are going to have enough then to maybe to try and push and compete yeah. against Kielsa and PSG so it's a very interesting spot, that one. They're kind of stuck between those two groups. Yeah, and it's, it feels very important as well, like uh, the battle for those positions. So even if it is a bit of a formality that Zagreb and Pellicer are 
bottom and are going to be knocked out. The top six positions, even though all six teams are going to go through, are very important when you look at the teams that they could face in Group B and kind of shimmying for position to avoid teams. Like Kiel, for example, will have no interest in finishing third and potentially facing a team like Gheorghe or Płock. Um And on the same side, you know, Kolstad and Seged won't want to finish sixth and then have to face someone like Magdeburg or Barcelona. <laughs> it's just like a death sentence. So, yeah, uh, really important games all through the season, even if it is uh, likely that the six teams we mention are all going to go through. For me, I think we've covered a lot of ground there now, and I'm, uh, yeah, and I'm, I can't wait to see now. Can Zagreb shock us all on, on the opening day? It wouldn't be the strangest things to happen. So, like, I'm looking forward to seeing how what kind of shape they're in, and also see Kiel on Thursday. You can follow me live on Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. So that was uh, Group A wrapped up, and we'll be back again very shortly. In fact, with our second preview pod, where we look at Group B before it all throws off on Wednesday. Goodbye.